Well, Chaz, welcome back. It's uh, April 21st. We are at Album Surfboards recording The Grid Surf did, Podcast. How did you celebrate 420, David Lee Scales? Did not partake. You did not participate in any 420 shenanigans. Unfortunately, no. <laughs> Having did. baby to raise and all this stuff. <laughs> Had to be here in the morning. No, no bong rips in the morning and just laughing how it was 420? No, I recorded a podcast with Scott Bass at 7 a.m. So that... Did Scott Bass rip some bongs? Nope, he did not. <laughs> I don't know what he did later in the day. Yep. But yeah, I mean, the reality is my day was chock full yesterday, and it was never even a conversation about whether or not to partake or celebrate. 420. How did you celebrate? I uh, taught little children, um, Western civilization, math, English, how to throw a baseball. Is it hard to do while high? It was. I, I got them all hot boxed. Yeah, no, there was no 420ing in my day either. Um, I'm. How ridiculous it, is it that uh, marijuana is not legal elsewhere? I mean, I think it's. Isn't it coming? Isn't uh? It's we say that, but isn't isn't Biden pushing something through to make it federally legal? I, I think it's. I think it's on the horizon. I don't track it fully, yeah, but I yes, either. I saw a headline yeah. at some point that it is federally approved. Yep. But, I mean, of all things that are harmful to the society, that's got to be way down the list. Guess who's home cheering right now? Cersei. Long, she, her too. But also, longboard world champion. Current sitting longboard champion, suspended, Joel Tudor. He is. He's like, yeah. Has he woken up yet from no, yesterday's celebration? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, hey, uh, lots. Did you see the late breaking news late in the day yesterday? Makua Kai Rothman. I just saw it. Makua Kai Rothman running for city council in Honolulu. So this news broke eight hours ago. Um, would have been 1.30 a.m. our time. So in the middle of the night. But big wave surfer, North Shore resident Makua Kai Rothman running for Honolulu city council. He filed papers on Wednesday. Um I can quote, I decided to run or I decided to turn down the opportunity for any awards or money, but rather use the international world platform to speak about the issues that were of concern to me and my community in Hawaii. Today is the day for me to step in there and put my name up for the run to office. I'll be holding some conferences soon, blah, blah, blah. Rothman is making a bid for the seat held by Heidi uh, Sunayoshi, who is running for governor as a Republican. Great. So um, is this great? I'm sure. I'm all about the Rothman family. Family Rothman. I know. I So I am as well. Officially, yes. But <laughs> does this feel like Godfather vibes on the North Shore? Totally, which is great. That's why I love it the most, right? I mean, this is now a full-on film, right? We have Eddie, who brought his kids, or didn't bring his kids over there, fell in love with the islands, moved there, had children, uh, had to do what he had to do to get by, right? Explain. But now, dig deeper. First of all, where did he come from? What was his background before he got there? What drew him to the islands? Philadelphia is where he came from. Uh, was in Texas for a short time. I do believe that his stepfather, my memory's a little fuzzy here, but stepfather was in Texas. Uh, and then, uh, yeah, was I think getting in trouble in school and just wasn't a, it wasn't a right fit with old Eddie Rothman. So went to, Hawaii, uh, and both fell in love with it and was embraced by local culture. You want to know how he was embraced? I would love to. He didn't speak good is what he told me. He spoke like them. And so they thought he was one of them. And so, yeah, it was like fell in with the, with the locals and what, what year would this have been? This would have been, I think he was a, 
teenagers. So it would have been... Uh, 60s? Yeah, 60s probably. Probably late 60s. Okay. Uh, and then we have the busting down the door years, mid-70s, where we have the Australian surfers going over there um, and making a nuisance out of themselves. There needed to be a hammer that came down upon them. The hammer of Philly, Eddie Rothman. And the black shorts went, formed up, Dahui. Uh, Eddie was co-founder with, I think, uh, Squiddy. And I can't remember how many co-founders there were, but a handful. And then, yeah, started regulating the North Shore. So their role, Dahui's um, role was being the enforcers, essentially, for local... For the local people. Got it. Yeah, for the local kind, which is now what essentially McCool will do. But it really is beautifully godfather I mean, Eddie Eddie makes no, I don't pulls no punch, or probably pulls a slight punch, but, you know, he says, I when I interviewed him for, or spent, I spent quite a bit of time with him for Welcome to Paradise, uh, and afterwards, too. Like, he and I have, we haven't spent time in a hot minute, but, you know, had fun conversations around the coffee table. And, uh, yeah, he makes no bones that he was, he went and collected money. Like, that's what he did. He went around the world. It's not illegal. Went and collected debts, you know? So, for whom? Uh, he didn't say that part, I guess, for people who had had loaned money to people. Hmm. I don't know what kind of people those around are. Around the world, though, not just... No, yeah, around the world. Okay, interesting. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there, his other son is a YouTube celebrity. Precisely. So, Eddie, I feel from the stock, right? I think the proof is in the pudding, et cetera, et cetera, as they say. All of Eddie's... Kids are great. Maku is great, well-mannered, well-spoken, doing stuff for the community. Ko is great. And Lono, the youngest, I haven't seen what he's up to lately, but when I was there, he was just couldn't, couldn't have been more polite and well-mannered. So when you got raised three boys so well, you got to think, Eddie's doing something right. There's no other... Well, thing to think. their mom might be doing something right too. Sure, her too. Are they, uh, do they both have the same mother? Cohen? They, they all do, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And do you know anything about her, what she does? No, I think she's she's uh, still local-ish. If I, or when I was there, she was. I don't know if she's moved since. But uh, yeah, like I think they all have a good relationship with their mom. I don't know if Eddie has a good relationship with her, but. Well, before it comes a movie, it feels like it could be a book. I mean, for sure. Part two. Well, yeah, I mean, the official, the first book, just he was a character in the book. That's true. This could be the full book. Welcome to political office. Now, (laughs) I've got to work on the title there. Yeah. Um, Well, congratulations, Makua. I have no idea how that'll all play out. Uh, Another thing we need to follow up on from last week was we were talking about the surfer's petition. We sure did. Against the WSL and... In Eric's response, Eric Logan's response, he said that they were going to be having a meeting, person to, uh, in-person discussion with the surfers. I think it was on Thursday. Yes. Do you have any idea how that went? No, do you? I have no idea. I reached I out to Eric Logan. I reached out to him, and uh, he didn't hit me back. Like, this was all in the early days of this coming out when he when he first released his letter. So I wanted to get some details, right? So you texted him? You texted him? him. Yeah, okay. I have no, no qualms. Don't expect to be a... And I'm necessarily a, a person that they want to be texting, but feel it's my duty as a surf journalist, get out there amongst it. Uh, and he didn't hit me back. So I was like, oh, uh, but then he did hit me back when he landed from Australia. He's back in town, but mentioned, made no mention of that uh, and was just spruiking make or break. So what did he say? 
I mean, uh, so he replied, he replied to the, the previous hey, text is me, you asking something. His text to you, his is, text to me was the trailer for make and break. And Hey, have you seen this yet? Oh my gosh. So yeah. Excited. <sighs> I texted him back excited, Eric Logan, but yeah, I didn't hear anything though. Did you read Sean Doherty surf journalist of note? Sean Doherty's piece on Surfline yeah. about the, Oh, he had the best piece of the whole thing. Right. So he was there at bells wherever it would have appeared first. Uh, it also appeared on Surfline, but, um, a long, uh, detail of co- sort of the whole week or the, that like from Idolo storming the tower, like he said he was in the room next door and you could just, the whole tower was shaking as Idolo was coming up. It was like the best kind of, uh, recap of hot action that I've seen in a, in a, by a surf journalist who was on the ground for a long time. Right. Like, uh, but so as he described it all, it was all super interesting. Described the, went into detail about uh, why they haven't cold the field before, which was interesting, which apparently in the um, ASP days, Association of Surfing Professional days, the surfer, surfers themselves owned part of the tour, half the tour. Yep. And so they weren't allowed to do anything really, right? Uh, when it turned into WSL, that part I think got lopped off. But then Mick Fanning and according to Doherty has always been a real supporter of the back end surfers, right? Like they're, you know, Hey, obviously Mick never had to worry about falling off tour or, you know, being below any kind of cut line, but he, apparently he was always fighting for these guys at the thirties, you know, the twenties to thirties level of like, Hey, I'm here for you. Do you guys go get your paycheck, go earn a living on this tour. Right. And so I think the world surf league, uh, was, either, you know, whatever, like dealt with that. And then, yeah, finally now probably just running at a loss for so many years are just like, we can't do it anymore. Cutting. Well, I think the way that uh, they appeased maybe Mick Fanning's pleas when they transitioned into the WSL was they set up a pension. Yeah. So the surfers were no longer part owners, but they then got retirement essentially. Pensioners. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. So all's to say though, uh, I did not hear anything about the meeting, but it seems like from every indication, from everything else I've read and heard, it is a straight up kick rocks. Like, um, we're sorry, we have a business to run. And it feels to me, I guess, the uh, make or break text in response was elucidating in the fact that it really seems like all the eggs are in that basket, right? It mm. feels like we've got the thing now that if this doesn't work, nothing will work, right? Right. Probably like talk about make or break. Uh, and I'm, and <laughs> the I'm title. Wow. Yeah, and I'm sure, uh, Logan doesn't think that directly, but the fact that that's a, re- that's his response to my asking what's going on with the revolt. Like, I think I even congratulated him in the text. Congrats for iron fist squashing the revolt. Like, give me some details about how it went. Right. Like facetiously sort of like expecting or not expecting any response, but if he was going to respond, kind of talk about, well, you know, sure, we had difference of opinions, but it feels to me like they are setting course now with make or break being the kind of guiding star where, which makes me wonder if the wall of positive noise is going to crumble down officially. Like they know this is our thing. Uh, We're going to have to be, I mean, they don't have the personnel yet to do it. Like what's Joe Trapel going to say, but basically transition into a, I don't know what we kind well, of talk about. Well, the what will make that show would be if they actually show you what happened with this petition. 
Yeah. Like th- showing Which, okay. showing things like so, this that are happening behind the scenes is what would make that compelling. So that, again, that's why I brought up the Sean Doherty piece. He said that those guys are everywhere. He said that the make or break camera was in the booth uh, catching Idolo's meltdown before WSL security was there. Didn't get ushered out of score. Those guys have full access to everything. He said any hint of grumble or anything, all... Uh, Epic all, you know, contest long. They, he said they would come out of the stones or something and we're right there filming everything. They know how to do that. They have full access. So yes, that's happening. The problem that I had was the trailer that was released. Look, did you watch it? Yeah. was like straight WSL bland. Like if that's after the, of course this buzz of what happened at Bell's would have only been percolating in the surfing world, which is not necessarily their, audience but it is their it should be their audience to get this launch like if this thing can be buzzed about amongst surf media then i think that would be to help you know yeah help of course in the in the mainstream uh that trailer there was not one bit of anything compelling to me in that trailer not one even iota like i would have waited if i was them and cut a trailer after this bells except that season isn't going to run till next year. Precisely. But you're still teasing. I would still tease yeah, it yeah, with yeah. like, get interested. But this first season, it made me worried if that's the best stuff you I, have. I know. It I made me think this season's going to be crap. Well, but the fact that they're already signed up for season two, maybe it doesn't matter that season one is crap. Maybe everybody just looks forward to season two. Um, it, it does matter if season one is crap for sure. Um, I, it's funny because when I heard that box to box was producing it, I was excited. So my excitement level for the series started high yeah. and everything that's been released leading up to the premiere has eroded my excitement. Sure. And I'm kind of at a low hum right now except, because of that most recent trailer. Except for the fact that they do have, they do have complete and full access. The bummer with that last season was nothing interesting happened, right? So, I mean, Kelly yeah. kind of did something well, and the, I mean, I guess you could make, but the, I mean, that's what I heard. Uh, quietly is that this was supposed to be released prior to the season. The reason that it didn't get released was because there wasn't enough compelling material. So they kept filming into Hawaii. So this will have like Kelly's pipe win and stuff, which is fine, but it's like not compelling anymore at all. Like to see that again, Kelly as a 50 year old man, win pipe and like, you know, the struggles or whatever, that's not interesting. Well, so the one caveat too, that we have to mention is it is, produced by box to box films. But if you look at executive producer credits, Eric Logan's name is still on it. Yes, except and friend of the show, Ryan Holcomb's name is on it. Who's running WSL studios or what was previously WSL studios. So they are still ultimately, maybe they have final say, maybe they have direction. EP has got nothing. If they were producers, then, then EP is a, is a title is a, is a, or can be like they, they might have some input, but I bet, I bet, uh, there, what they get is what would be called meaningful input where gotcha. they get to see stuff. They get to give their opinion and that's it. Okay. Okay. Then I reserve a little bit of optimism. The only, the only bummer is that I don't know what, and maybe what compels me, the drama that compels me is not what will compel. Maybe the viewer at home will be compelled by Kelly because that's for sure in there, right? Like you have Kelly. My job He's is less compelling now though. I mean, to me it is, but maybe that's what the viewer into the think. viewer at home. I don't know that he's that compelling anymore. Um, oh, so go ahead. There was one other, uh, what was it? Oh, this is what 
Doherty also said, which I found interesting, he wondered or posited, I wonder if the surfers now, he said they've been around these cameras for a year, right? They're used to having them everywhere, used to these cameras capturing their every move and every moment. Doherty was wondering, like Kardashian style, if they know that really how they're now going to be, what they need to do is actually do what Idolo did, is charge a tower. So he was wondering, basically, did Idolo charge the tower because he knew it would make compelling television and keep him in the spotlight? Uh, I would love to see some athletes figure that out and actually elevate well, that's what their he was interest that's because what, that's what he was wondering, which so did happen void there. of personality. Totally. But it did happen actually at right, Bell's, right? right he right. charged the judging tower that gave us a week's worth of stuff to talk and think about. Yeah. Uh, so I don't know what Griffin Colapinto is going to do or Chloe, Chloe Andy, you know, or, all of them, you know what Chloe, I mean? Chloe's got a personality though. Chloe's a dry, funny guy uh, where if he, not a reality show personality though. No, but could be endearing if he figured out how to, I mean, so, I, t- I told you about the film. Have I talked about it recently? The film, the Red Bull film that I was doing with Chloe? No, I don't remember this story. This is great. Uh, this was right on the, on the heels of who is J-O-B. Uh, so 2008. 2008. Kolohe would have been, and who is J-O-B, the film, not the YouTube series. Uh, Kolohe would have been 16, maybe? Uh, when did he get on the CT? Freaking a decade ago now, probably. Yeah, so it would have been it would have been right after he got on the CT, probably. Uh, I can't remember how old he was, but young. The whole concept got money from Red Bull to do this. Uh, the whole concept was uh, filming Kalohe at the end of his career, reflecting back on his career. Uh, so he built like a where he lived in his grandma's house now because it all he had blown his entire stack on cocaine and hookers and he just had done lived a bad life and but we had little Kolohe filming him talking about all the hookers, all the strippers, Shut all up. the cocaine. Yeah. <laughs> Did you like put him in old man makeup? Yeah, we had uh, he wasn't old man makeup. We just we put him in like old clothes and we built this pretty epic old studio, like old apartment with like pictures on the wall. And so just all decrepit. I think we had like old whiskey bottles all by his chair. So this like 16 year old kid talking about Coke and strippers and hookers. And we started filming it and the whole concept we had pitched Red Bull, like it was all approved, approved ish, I guess. But then Dino, I think actually thought, wait a second. And uh, we were supposed to start getting clips from Chloe or from Dino actually, who was, running that kind of stuff. Uh, and the clips didn't come and we we're like, wait, we have the interview and stuff shot. Where's, where's our clips? We like, we got to start building this film and nothing, nothing, nothing. I thought, okay, these guys, probably the concept is in I retrospect, think, understandably. Well, I think risque. it sounds like right around that same time, a contract was being pushed across the table from target. Yeah. Well, you know, no, he was, I think Nike. he was already on target. He was already on all that stuff. He well, was already, Nike was just, Nike 6.0, had that started yet? Yeah, yeah. He was already he was already Corpo Andino at that point. Like okay. he had he had Well, there's a difference between Billabong Corpo Andino versus he wasn't the Billabong. Nike 6.0. He wasn't he was on Nike and everything already. Okay. But all to say though, Kaloe has Kaloe was all down. Yeah, he was yeah, like, yeah. it was funny. And well, but here's the concern for make or break. Uh I'd never watched Na- or uh Formula One before the series that yep. they made. And what was compelling about it, what drew me in was these car crashes that mean life or death. Yes. So the two drivers talking about it, 
and then you see a car crash and blow up and it means somebody could die and there's millions of dollars involved. Yeah. And not only millions of dollars for the driver to win, but the car itself costs a million dollars. So these just super high stakes smash cut to make or break. There's no, and it's, and it's Stephanie Gilmore saying, this is, this war. is war. Yeah. And it's like, no, Steph, it isn't war. <laughs> no. You're the prettiest girl I've ever seen walking down a white sand beach who doesn't have the throat stop mentality because I've watched you serve for 15 years now. And I know that you don't have that mentality. Felipe Toledo also does now. And they're also cutting to footage of them on waist high waves doing a big turn. And when, when not, you, not at Jaws. And when you got, I mean, I thought that, yeah, thinking more about a, a real clunker of a, of a, trailer where you have at the end of it gabriel medina saying my job is to win world titles <laughs> right <laughs> okay and <laughs> right yeah so again compare and contrast that with f1 yeah millions of dollars boom explosions yeah, yeah, you know yeah. and it's like these guys are on they're actually on the same team and they're cutting the other guy he's cutting his own teammate off and so i wonder though if naturally it sort of happened where make where the season two uh, if they realized hey we got to figure this out where make or break production team had the same idea that everyone who watches pro surfing has. This is way too top heavy. We got to make stakes and those stakes are going to be, there's can only be this many surfers and you got all these surfers who are going to get lopped off and lose their careers. Right. Where while that's not F1 life or death, that is closer to uh, compelling than surfing for titles. Right. Yeah. And so if that was what actually finally made, I mean, I know the mid, tour cut was planned uh pre make or break and probably not i mean but if it's all part parcel of the same thing this is not compelling because it's way down i love that mcfanning stands up for the little surfers right and by little surfers i mean professionals on tour who are who are he's all right i want thomas hermes i want (laughs) kiowa belly yeah and that's all you know what glenn micro hall you're back in and that's all great and good right and i feel for those like as man of the people etc etc you want to feel for those guys but not at the expense of the show like the things got or and not by show i mean professional surfing Yeah, yeah, yeah you are not interesting to watch you bog everything down every contest get bogs down gets bogged down bells has to finish in crap surf even though there were were a couple days of good surf in there but Four we got hours but we got to still watch the finals in garbage because it's too top heavy who cares right and so this episode i think of i would like to see some tears i would like to see the surfers below at margaret's right yeah, yeah, like yeah. surfers below the cut crying on camera yep. is what you need to see for something to be compelling Completely. Um, it should always be Mick Fanning and the surfers or the surfers rep should always be advocating for the surfers and for more tour surf, more surfers on tour, the small little man, all that kind of thing. And the corporation should always be fighting against them, advocating for what's most compelling for the content. And that fighting creates something interesting. At in least closer to interesting than, than people trying to win world titles. Totally. So uh, Fanning should always fight for that. I wonder if Elo, Eric Logan, does is definitely does not shy away from the camera, right? He he, unlike Sophie Goldschmidt, the previous CEO, you could tell she was very very uncomfortable in the spotlight and did not want to be there, right? Did she Correct. talk to you guys when you went to Surf Ranch? No. So she came into the or had dinner with us, I guess, the rabble rousing surf journalist during surf journalist. Surf Ranch Day, however many years ago? How many years 2018. Ago? Yeah. 
whatever, three, four years ago. Uh, she was so uncomfortable in that room the whole time. It looked like she just wanted to go crawl in a hole. Like she was doing it for her job. She was told, hey, this is, we're going to try to reset with the, you know, endemic surf media for whatever reason. I think it was Dave Prodan's idea, in fact, of like, a lot of these guys are good guys and they, you know, shit talk the WSL and whatnot because there's just no interaction. Uh, so let's make some interaction. You know, I think the whole thing probably spectacularly backfired for Prodan, but uh, she was so uncomfortable. You never saw her in front and center in Instagram posts. You never saw her doing anything, right? She wasn't posting videos of herself surfing on Instagram? Precisely. Eric loves being in the spotlight. You can tell, loves it, loves every bit of it. So I wonder if he also is crafting his own persona, or clearly he is crafting his own persona for make or break, and what the persona of Eric Logan will be. Is it going to be friend of all, like bros to the surfers, really trying to work it out, struggling with this, trying to make money while trying to bring everybody along? Or is it going to be the ruthless, like flim flam man at the t- I mean, that would be a, that would be the best if he was just seen as an oily, oily salesman. Yeah. I, well, I think that his persona that he's trying to craft is the one that he's been showing all along, which is he's a sincerely nice guy and he, he wants to be liked by all. He just doesn't realize that, um, you can't l- learn about surfing in the last five years and then pretend like you've been here all along. So it might that he might be able to get away with it to the broad audience that's being introduced to surfing on Apple, but to everybody kind of who's still commenting in the space like us or surfers who have been doing it for two decades or whatever, uh, it's so transparent to us and it looks so kooky in the way that he was posting Instagram posts of himself surfing in an absolute poo stance, cooking so hard, but he would post it thinking, Hey, look at, I'm surfing. This yeah. looks cool. And there's a sun sunrise in the background. So that looks cool. So I'm going to post this not knowing he's revealing his kook status by posting that. You know what I mean? I and, and we called it out instantly when he became CEO. And so he stopped posting all that stuff now, but I think that that a different version of it will reveal itself on Apple plus, but he has that new look. He's got the cool, the cocaine cowboy aesthetic. And so he thinks he looks cool, but it's still transparent to anybody. I would, I would like for him though, to lean in more to like greasy bad guy role. He won't lean into it because he's not that guy. He doesn't see himself as that guy. He doesn't, but also he's got to be thinking too, Hey, my reputation, well, not my reputation maybe, but the, the possible health of the world surf league. I mean, how long, if this fails, right? If make or break fails, if they do two seasons, catches very little traction amongst mainstream audience and quietly goes away. How long is Ziff around? I would say that would be the last straw for him. Well, this tees up a listener line call and a bunch of other stuff that we have for the show. Um, before we go to that though, I will just reference a rumor too. I heard that he got booed off. St- Elo got booed off stage. Heard that too. At the ain't that swell live podcast at bells, which we should be able to find. Right. I mean, those, well, I are- listened, I skimmed through the episode to try to find it and it wasn't in the episode. So was Elo not in the episode, not in the episode. So they all. cut him. They cut or, that part or it wasn't part of the recorded broadcast. Okay. Like maybe he came up in advance to do something. Okay. Uh, but it was just the way I heard about it. It was just one line on stab in an article that was written referred to 
he also got booed off stage at the recording. Okay. Um, so maybe so, not true. Uh, yeah, maybe not true. Maybe true. It wasn't in the episode itself that I heard. Uh, but he did go, there was a meeting that he had last week, um, with all of the sponsors for next year, essentially that are signed on. Yep. And I heard he bashed the longboard tour. Like he got up there and he's like talking about rah, rah, this is what we're doing. Here's this new Apple series coming. Here's what we got planned for next year. Oh, and that longboard thing and like rolls his eyes, like those troublemakers kind of a thing. Who did you hear this from? A good source? Yeah. A source in the room? Yes. Okay. This is a and, beach grit story right here. Uh, well, di- I'll get you more details okay. after we get off air. But, you know, it's kind of like he has to acknowledge what the news is reporting, what surf news is reporting, which is Joel Tudor, all this kind of stuff. And so he had to reference it, but he referenced it with an eye roll. Like, God, these guys are a pain in my side. Kind yeah. Of. And we want to cut this thing. We just got, well, we got to keep it around now. Yeah. And the, the um, room laughed at the joke, you know, like all the sponsors in the room acknowledged the joke, but so it wasn't like they boot him off stage or anything like that. But I still thought like, God, Elo, don't poke him in the eye. And you know, also, like these are, these are, it felt the way that his letter back to the petitioners felt, which is authoritarian back to the surfers, get back in line. Yeah. And, but his wording in the, is all kind and his wording is, and Hey, hurt, I thought we had feelings. a good relationship. Yeah, we were Come personal. on. Shouldn't we have this? Yeah. And by the way, don't ever speak out again. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's what this feels like. I mean, it's ridiculous though, that if you have it, that you wouldn't just lean into it. Right. And if you're not going to lean into it, regarding the longboard tour, then stand on, stick to your guns and cut it. Like if you think that this is not part of your business and that, you know, you've done the numbers too, just like, like bending to Joel's will, suspending him and then being annoyed by having this thing around. Well, so you were weak twice, right? right. You were weak twice over. 100%. You bent to his will and now you're annoyed that you bent to his will while also suspending him, being weak and suspending him. I mean, right. it's just weakness across the board there. And the bending to the will is only halfway. Yeah. We, we need to restate. Yeah. No. It's not really putting a longboard like, okay, tour on at longboard waves. No. It's putting them in Manly and Huntington, crappy waves. I mean, it's, it's, building, it's building it to fail quickly. Totally. Completely. So the fans won't be happy. Joel Tudor won't be happy. WSL won't be happy. And then we'll but get back here in a year. Stick to your damn guns at the outset. If you really thought that, you know, Joel's had, Joel Tudor has the numbers too. This is how many longboards sell versus shortboards, right? In his mind, he's, you're yeah. always using longboarding in your promotion. Uh, WSL should have just countered and said, well, we have different numbers. We think it's a small market that we're no longer willing to float. Correct. So yeah. Um, back to billionaires propping up surfing. Peter King. Elon Musk posted a series basically he posted very uh salient points for how the tour could be improved and it would accommodate more surfers but a feeder system through trials that already exist then they go on the ct um basically says if you fall off the ct after the first five events then you go uh you currently have the current scenario is you have to travel to eight challenger series events which is problematic because you still have to pay your rent at home. You might be gone all year. Um, 
your a lot of these sponsor contracts for the surfers, by the way, are contingent upon the fact that they're on the CT. Exactly. So if you get kicked off the CT, you don't have the money anymore, but you have to go do all these challenger rents. So Peter King's saying it's just impractical to expect these surfers to be able to pull this off financially. So he's saying a solution would be uh, make everyone surf the trials. The trials become the QS events, essentially. And then you, uh, they meet up with the seeds. The seeds get reshoveled throughout the year, blah, blah, blah. It's a little bit technical, but he comes up with a solution, a potential solution. And then he makes a joke meme Twitter post of Elon Musk saying Elon Musk is behind it. Ultimately kind of saying, you know, let's transit, let's get rid of one billionaire and bring in a different billionaire yeah. who can kind of do this. <laughs> there is a great comment on Beach Grit. So Derek wrote a story about Peter King's thing. And there was a great comment on Beach Grit um, that said, I'm with King on this. Here's a little insight into how this may have went down. Elon is from South Africa. Jordy Smith from South Africa. Jordy called Musk to complain about Logan bitch slapping him with a letter from the team of lawyers. Musk, who absolutely loves surfing and is an avid reader of Beach Grit, called Ziff and he invited him to a rocket launch billionaire bro barbecue. Billionaires love to show their billionaires their rockets, by the way. Uh, Ziff accepted the invite, believing Musk was going to include Ziff in this new in this Twitter deal. However, when Ziff arrived, Musk had the Bell's Beach Pro on. As Ziff walked in the door, Musk standing at the grill without even turning around told Ziff, sit down asking him what kind of cheese he wants on his burger. But before Ziff could answer, Musk said, sorry, I don't have anything as cheesy as your WSL broadcast team. <laughs> Ziff, not knowing what to say, said nothing before Musk said, Ziff, you seem like a smart guy. So how the hell did you guys screw up pro surfing so bad? Ziff, not knowing what to say, said nothing. So, Ziff, so Musk threw a pad and, uh, pad and pencil at Ziff, and said, take some notes, then proceeded to tell Ziff how to fix the WSL. Z then Elon said, here's your burger, and threw a bag, and then threw a bag at Ziff with it, saying, to go. <laughs> Just then the rocket lifted off into the distance, and Musk said, my rocket, nice, huh? You can leave now. Back in the limousine, Ziff rang Eric Logan while Jesse Miley Dyer made one of the worst calls in surfing history. Well, We'll see what happens at Marg's. <laughs> was that Von Funningstad? No, it wasn't. Uh, oh, dang. I didn't. LF, LFG. Okay, nice. LFG, I, I didn't work. write it down, but it was LFG. Solid yeah. work. Very awesome funny. Awesome little scenario. Very funny. Um, we have another call about another potential billionaire that actually could or could not do a better job than Ziff. Chaz, David. James calling in from San Diego. Um, just listening to the grit here on April 15th, uh, listening to a discussion on uh, the proposition of a new tour altogether, uh, breaking away from the WSL. And I know you're looking out, out there looking for a sponsor. Uh, I believe you said someone who has deep, uh, deep pockets and is a visionary. And I think I know someone who's looking for a front row seat at the cool kids table and surf world. And that is Mark Zuckerberg. And uh, to add on potential uh, Val Supreme leader, uh, Jonah Hill. What if we got Zuck and Hill to uh, throw in some money to make actually a cool tour and get Kyle Lenny to uh, pull some strings. Just my thoughts. We don't need, I don't think we need Jonah, but what do you think about Zuckerberg? Zuck. Could he make a more entertaining tour? I mean, I think that Zuckerberg uh, 
Probably because he has Facebook already, right? So you have this broadcasting whole thing. Uh, the broadcast distribution problem solved. Solved instantly. Um, I think Zuck would probably get the wrong people in the room. Uh, the problem is Zuck wants to be liked by Kyle Lenny and things like that. And so he would want to be liked by, you need somebody like a ruthless business head in there. You don't need a billionaire per se. You need money, but you don't need a billionaire. You need a ruthless, uh, a person who knows sport and knows how to make sport compelling, right? Mm. Like where Zuck doesn't know either of those things. So what we would get would be the same thing. It would be a top heavy tour. I mean, the thing that would Ziff should have done, and, and again, what a absolutely blown opportunity. He's a billionaire, right? There's no doubt about his billionaire status. I don't know how liquid he is, but he's a billionaire. Uh, how in the world, again, in COVID, did you not get a yacht and put the right. 15 best surfers on it and go travel around and do the COVID tour? and have them surf against each other. You could have rejiggered, made some like, you know, compelling bracket kind of surf off thing, something. Uh, the fact that he couldn't or didn't do that, like that's all I would think Zuck could do is use your billions to buy a yacht, throw the best surfers on it and go to cloud break and then from cloud break, go to yeah. wherever, go, you know, around the world. So you just need somebody who actually understands surfing. I mean, because like, I think the reason why Ziff didn't do that is that's not the business. There's no business in that. Yeah. That, it's yes, it's very compelling and it's entertaining to you and I who like surfing. But there's no business. But there's no business. So Zuck would have to love surfing so much to just want to understand what can do he is, to but, understand what Cloudbreak is, and then go, man, I would love to see John John versus Gabriel precisely. at Cloudbreak for eight hours. And then well, I can but, make I could make that happen. I could give each of those guys a million bucks and get the yacht and take them to go do that. But isn't isn't Ziff's underlying isn't the World Surf League's business at the end to get eyeballs. And so I don't know how you wouldn't think during COVID, okay, we have an opportunity now to get eyeballs. These eyeballs are not watching NBA. They're not watching NFL. They're not watching MLB. These things have been canceled, right? Because of COVID or delayed. We have a golden opportunity to go out and get, like, this is a once in a lifetime, once in a multiple lifetime opportunity oh, yeah. to actually go peel viewers that don't have anything else so to watch not, and bring them in. That's not Ziff's um, role in this. That's Eric Logan's role in this. So Eric is the one who didn't figure that out. For sure. But but somebody, I mean, somebody had to be smart enough to think that and clearly nothing happened. Just like yeah. everything else, abundances of caution and right. then messing up when you right. tried to do something. Well, there's no radical decisions that are made in the organization. But that's these a, tiny, tiny kind of pivots. And even the, the mid-year cut thing is a slight pivot towards what would be a ra uh, awesome idea, which is fewer surfers on tour. The, uh, again, though, I think the problem is not a billionaire. The problem is any kind of right visionary so who, under who, who understands sport. It's a, it's a Dana White, right? Who yeah. took totally. combat sports and made it, boxing had grown, stayed, right? Boxing had gotten old and was aging and there was a lot of controversy around corruption and judging scandals and all this stuff. Dana White, I think, looked at the fight game in general and created a whole new category that became compelling in and of itself based on the sport, not on the sporting aspects, right? Not necessarily based on 
what they're doing, but based on the whole thing where you need somebody like that to look at surfing writ large and say, this thing is bloated and fat and nobody ever likes it. Literally. Like it has never gone in terms of clothing. I mean, I was funny enough at Coachella this past weekend, day at Coachella afternoon. Uh, everyone was in, remember when, uh, surf brands started making walk shorts, like technical walk shorts, probably heard made the first one. Yeah. I thought, what the hell is this? That's what every single person in Coachella was wearing is some sort of every man wearing a technical, uh, surf walk short. Interesting. Uh, so surf industries, whatever. I mean, there's money being made. I don't, I'm sure they're not flush, but people are still buying surf product. People are buying surfboards, right? People still are not buying surfing as a uh, sport. And what do you do with that? Well, so Dana White, uh, the essence was he leaned into the pugilism. Yeah. When everybody else was saying, we need to make this more palatable. He said, no, the essence of combat sports is somebody getting punched in the face and bleeding. That's the essence. And so when you look at surfing, the essence is man versus nature. And so how you don't just put people out in harrowing surf and letting them hit the reef and filming it is, that's the essence. That's all you have to do. I mean, I think back to like uh, Joji's either, was it year zero or was it strange revelings? Wherever, like... I mean, maybe you just get a surf filmmaker. Those like that, those waves at uh, No Can Dewey and was that in, which one was that in? I forget. I don't know. Whatever, like Greenbush or whatever. Like, I mean, gnarly. The waves we had and who was J-O-B? Gnar- those spots are gnarly, right? Yeah. On their day, they're epic. Yeah. Epic, epic, epic. And you can strike mission in. Those guys know how to do that. You yeah. strike mission in f- six of the best surfers in the world and have them go at it in yep. like at P-Pass. Yep. Um, I got another call. I'm not going to play it, but it was a statistician math professor who called to explain in different terms than we kind of explain weekly that um, the current format, it's a signal and noise signal to noise ratio problem. Mm. Okay. It's funny to hear a mathematician explain what's going on. What's happening. Uh, Basically, if you already know which surfer is going to win, it's boring. Yeah. The current problem is the opposite. It's that there's so many surfers, randomness happens. In every single event, somebody who shouldn't lose, loses. So there's too much noise, not enough signal. Okay. And so what you really want to do, he proposes basically a very simple scenario, which we already discussed, just head to head. Oh yeah. Just head to head. Yeah. You know what? Like that'll have very little noise. There's no noise. It's just signal, but we don't know who's going to win. So yeah. it's still compelling. So it's John, John and Gabriel eight hours, cloud break pipe, can do whatever it is. And you'd pay for it. We'd yeah. all pay for it. Yeah. I would step up and give you a paper pay-per-view money for that. That kind know? of thing. I mean, if you had eight of the best surfers in the world, man, what broken records we are. I know. Years. Well, uh, SoCal Gary, longtime contributor on Beach Grit, called in with this. Chaz and David, Gary calling, or SoCal Gary on the Beach Grit forum. Uh, on the LPGA Tour and the PGA Tour, if you win an event during the year, you automatically qualify for the tour the next year. So barrel or not, if a surfer on the men's or women's tour wins an event during the year, they automatically qualify for the next year, regardless of where they end up in the points ranking. So 
give that one a go and keep up the work. It's interesting. I can't imagine a better way to assess whether somebody is qualified for tour than, than if they win an event. Well, but here's the thing, though. The, in surfing, if you win an event, chances are you're really, really, really going to have to blow it the rest of the event not to be high in the rankings, right? Unless you get, you're Moana Jones-Wong. I mean, but she just got straight screwed out of even having an opportunity to go try again. Uh, yeah, I mean, so, but that's like, when was the last time a wild card won an event and was like, didn't get another chance to surf. I bet she was, it's been a long time. She was a once in a long, long, long time yeah. scenario where for sure wild cards have won before, but I almost guarantee they get to go surf other events during the year. She won an event and has no opportunity and none on the horizon to go surf again. Right. Yeah. She's not Correct. a wild card. Correct. Anywhere, but it's a good, I like the, but I, I would think if you're, I don't know, there's something. Yeah. Like, uh, I like it. I just think it's if you if you're winning an event, if you win an event, you're probably going to get enough points. You're already yeah. going to get enough points. Um so the mid-year cut comes up. So the Margaret River event starts in I think 3 days, 2 days. Yeah. Um and the mid-year cut takes place right after that. Just a couple of things off the top of my head that we can touch on now, revisit next week. Stephanie Gilmore is behind that line. Below she, the line. She may not requalify. Sally Fitzgibbon, she's kind of in a tie with Courtney, so and you get to throw away one event, so it'll have to get shaken out. I think she has to make the quarters, basically, to get safe, uh, officially. Right. Owen Wright, Sally Fitz is almost guaranteed to not. But how, yeah. how below the line is Owen Wright? Uh, I think he actually has to make the quarters as well. Okay. Um, which is kind of a shocker. You know, Owen was a real contender. The funny thing is, I had Griffin Colapento on my survival team, and... He drew Owen, and I'm like, well, Owen hasn't had a good heat all year. This should be easy for Griff coming off a win. It's Owen's one good heat of the year. He took down my guy. You're done. I'm done, You dude. did not I'm survive. Out. I did not survive. Yeah. I feel like 20% got cold. I think it was 45% of the well, remaining. Well, 45 of the remaining, but it was like 18% had On Griff. On Griff, yeah. Yeah. Um, so... Thanks, Owen. And then he goes on and loses, loses the very next heat. Yeah. And then probably won't get on tour. I'm like, dude, what'd you do? Is there any other compelling uh, or at least name male surfer? Zeke Lau is the story here because Zeke Lau, I mean, if the ultimate surfer didn't already fail, the whole premise was we're going to find out who the ultimate, sur the ultimate surfers are so that they can come and be on tour upset, disrupt the tour. Tia Blanco freaking bombed out in Portugal with a pair of threes, yeah. you know, in two heats in a row. She has two more wild cards this season, but we'll see what happens there. Zeke Lau got on tour. So it wasn't even the ultimate surfer okay, so gift wasn't even needed. Here's an interesting question though. Zeke Lau did not use his ultimate surfer wild cards. Those also did not get used by anybody else, right? I mean, they gave them to somebody, but like wild cards. They gave individual they, wild cards. Individual yeah, wild yeah, cards, yeah. but not tied to Ultimate Surfer. Right. Does he, if Zeke Lau is below the cut, which he is far below, yeah? He's actually right above the cut line now, but uh, he's liable to not make it. So if Zeke Lau doesn't make it, if he goes out. Every, everything, the problem, sorry, everybody's tied. Yeah. There's like four different ties going on right now, so. So if Zeke Lau gets cut. Does he come back and say, woohoo, ultimate surfer, and claim his ultimate surfer status for the rest of the year? Right. 
Where's those two wild cards? Exactly. Those, yeah. Exactly. Or three, I think. I think it's three. Yeah. I think it's basically he could go cherry pick the events he wants the rest of the year. He should. I mean, that, that what a disaster where obviously it would fail in the ratings. It was a horrible show. And now to theoretically cause a real problem uh, in tour, if he goes and claims like what? These were promised. This was contractually, like you were contractually right. obligated. Just the fact that I got on tour didn't negate this. I'm sure there was no, or there might've been in the fine print. Like if you get on tour, then these go away. Maybe. But, but if that wasn't in the fine print, go claim your yeah. wild card Zeke. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, fascinating. That sounds like a story there, by the way, it looks like he got married recently. Zeke Lau. Yeah. Sweet. Congratulations, Zeke. Good job. Yeah. It's a year of highs and lows. Man. I mean, truly. Yeah. When like, ultimate surfer, the worst show on earth. <laughs> exactly. Get on, get on tour. Get bomb cut. out, bomb <laughs> out entirely. <laughs> Um, and just a couple of final thoughts on bells. I don't know how much of it you watched or not. I watched, I watched, uh, two different sittings, but yeah. one, one longer than the other. Okay. Um, not the finals. The forecast was totally misused yeah. by Jesse Miley Dyer. Yeah. And there was waves in the forecast at the, towards the end of the waiting period that they just completely ignored. And they ended up running finals at Rencon which is going to be a shame no matter what. And it was waist high. So there was very contestable high, you know, high, as high performance as bells could get for round three head high, six feet, good waves for four hours, but they ran the opening rounds, which were elimination rounds. And, um, people were liable to not make the cut based on those eliminations. Connor coffin is way down the rankings. Morgan Siblick, two of last year's top five. They ran at winky. So that was a problem in small, crappy surf. Then they ran the finals at Rincon, also small, crappy surf, uh, while there was still swell in the forecast. This is, I've heard grumblings from professional surfers. This is part of the grumble, is that uh, Miley Dyer's poor reads are costing them their job. Mm -hmm. The ones below the cut. Exactly. They're, they're not, they're not so getting that, to compete. Like, if they were falling off in good surf, then... You know, what, what are you going to do? Yeah. Uh, you're getting cold in horrible surf based on on very, very questionable calls. Like, totally. of course, it's the ocean. You never know really what's going to happen. But I don't remember a time in professional surfing where there's been a string of worse calls than there has been this year. And this is the same commissioner, Jesse Miley Dyer, who also did not run the women at pumping pipe yep. when they were scheduled to run. Yep. So... We can acknowledge that as well. Um, the other thing that I was going to say about the Bells, oh, is just how many surfers uh, were so wildly out of position. Yeah. Like even on those days at Winky, there's epic, or not epic, but there's two or three turns available on the wave breaking outside and the surfers taking off in the middle. It just looked like a lot. And I think it's because the waves are crappy and maybe it was the first time a lot of people had surfed those locations, but it just looked, everybody was out of sorts for that event. But that was, other than that was confounding. I do believe Barton Lynch at sunset too. Remember? Mm -hmm. Like he was like, why Every, I, I totally. don't understand why these guys are sitting where they are. Like totally. when there's, you know, so like I want, what, what do you think is the reason for that is sir is professional surfers. Cause they can't be out of place. They know what they're doing, right? They're not, they've been in the ocean their whole lives. They know what they're doing. They're purposefully choosing to be where they are 
more often than not, I would think. Why are they, is it not like a sexy kind of surfing to them to like well, take off out the back and do a couple swooping turns and then come inside? Do they, are they just looking for a little air section? Like, no, I disagree with you. They don't know what they're doing. They don't know what they're doing. Those two venues uh, specifically are very vast playing fields. And, and none of them put in the work to actually talk to a local or spend time didn't, there. Well, or, the ones who did hire the local coach yeah. are in position, are yeah. winning heats, are getting waves. So not only are these vast playing fields, but the swell forecast was so spotty yeah. and they moved the venue obviously to three different locations. Well, two different locations for bells. And so they're surfing different reefs all the time and the tide is constantly shifting. And so they just have no idea. So the lineup spots are there's 10 different line spots based on what it's doing in this 30 minute window. And unless you're, you've been surfing it for literally 10 years, you don't know that information. And so you could watch one heat and make, or watch three heats in a row and make your decisions based on those three heats, where you're going to sit and what you're going to do. If you don't know how it's changing for your heat, which only a local would have that information, you're going to go out and sit in the wrong spots. And that was happening throughout the entire event. Very, very frustratingly as you're watching it. I mean, and the reason why I was thinking that was the Zeke Lau heat. Yeah. I think he surfed against Connor O'Leary and it was just like wildly out of position, plenty of opportunities coming through and just totally not able to capitalize. So as a viewer, I think it's a lot more obvious because you have the drone shots and you're seeing more, um, than you can see f while you're in the lineup, but it is wildly frustrating. Well, here's the thing. Here's a thing right here uh, at Natural Selection, which I talk about every episode, uh, Snowboard Tour. They have a briefing before for all of the snowboarders of these are the conditions. This is what you're looking at. They're, none of them are allowed to ride the course, right? They do a course preview where they fly a drone over. Exactly. They do a course preview. They fly a drone over the course, show all the features, show like pitch, angle, et cetera, et cetera. Talk about the snow conditions, the riders briefing. They're all there. Why doesn't like, it does nobody any good. Like, I guess you could say somebody has an, a local has an advantage that you take away, but not really. There's nothing replaces actually putting the time in and caring about something. Why don't they have a surfers briefing where they're saying before the day saying, okay, have the local get up there and say, okay, this is this wave. At these tides, it's probably going to work out here. With these winds, it's probably going to, you know, just explain the break because it doesn't do the viewer any good to see Zeke Lau miss right. waves. Exactly. Well, there's a lot fewer variables in the snow example. But but also, they look at all the features, right? They So that they can get an idea where you want your people to ride the best they can, where why don't they brief them before and just say, we're moving place here. Now, for those who haven't surfed this place or don't know this place, we're going to give you a real nuts and bolts. And even before they paddle out, maybe say, hey, go sit probably out there. It's going to be breaking out there. Have yeah. a guy or at least give advice. It's It should all be considered through what you just said, which is it does nobody good to see surfers not catching waves yeah. or catching crappy waves. And so when you see Joao Chianca versus John John Florence in round three, surfing arguably the best heat of the year, plenty of waves on tap. They're both pushing it into the nines on every, every wave. That's so good. And then when you watch Felipe versus Caleb Robson in the final at Rencon, those waves, nothing that they could have done in those waves was interesting to watch. Yeah. I mean, truly. And I love surfing and I like both those surfers. Nothing they could have done in those conditions made me want to watch as a viewer. That's why I did so, watch. Yeah, exactly. Well, so that's a huge problem. I mean, I was so 
little compelled. I, I think I turned it on and saw the waves and turned it right off. I like know. I was like, I'm not going to sit and waste time on this. Who cares? Go, Philippe's going to win. I already knew it. Like who can beat Philippe in those in conditions? crap waves? Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, we've got how much do you have to get out of here at a specific time? 1130. Okay. Cause we got a couple of calls that might, um, two minute long calls. Great. Which can take 20 minutes to discuss, but, uh, here we go. David, Chaz, Jay Martinez calling from the Space Coast. Just wanted to share a little something, an addendum, if you will, to the ongoing saga of the original slap heard around the world. No doubt in many of our minds, the Will Smith slap conjured fond memories of the time Ashton Goggins, friend of the hottest surf celebrities and a god among men, slapped self-styled surf journalist and wife moocher Chaz Smith at Surf Expo. Someone in the Beach Group community adroitly memed a photo of the Will Smith slap by adding the respective labels to Ashton and Chaz which said two-bit surf journalist then posted to his page along with a still of the original slap. In the comments, Survival League Taylor offhandedly remarks about the gentleman in the backwards hat in the left foreground looking like Silent Bob. And then I noticed something I hadn't before. I know that guy. Call it fate, fortune, synchronicity, or kismet. I now had a possible secondhand personal connection to the infamous surf expo slap, one that I had spent hours of my life listening about its minutiae on a meaningless podcast about surfing made for nihilistic right-wing cisgendered males like myself. This was a big deal. I tagged who I thought it was and asked if it was him. The suspect low-key liked my comment but offered nothing more. This wasn't enough proof. Finally, I ran into him at the skate park the other day and asked if he ever thought I'd get slapped at Surf Expo. Indeed, he had. The excitement brewed inside me. Silent Bob remembered working a grueling day at his booth at Surf Expo and just wanting to redeem his one free industry beer ticket when a commotion broke out. He remembered seeing one man caress another's beard and then get slapped in the face. He remembered being confused and then seeing himself on Cook of the Day, but that was about it. In actuality, Silent Bob doesn't really look that much like Silent Bob in person. I assured him that. But his temperament is similar. He's soft-spoken, gentle, and a really nice person, unlike everyone who listens to this show. In my excited state, I tried to explain to him what Beach Grid is, who Chaz and Ashton are, about haberdashers and why this all means so much to me. He listened politely, but I could tell from his blank stare and courteous smile it was going over his head. You see, Silent Bob works in the skate segment of the industry, and I've come to the conclusion skaters are way cooler than we are. We're constantly overamped, anxious, and obsessed over the smallest details. Things like the Ashton slap become part of our religion. But to someone like Silent Bob, he was just a hapless bystander to some petty disagreement between two privileged white males. End of story. The Ashton slap has single-handedly kept Beach Grit in business these last few years, and I know I speak for every other Grit adept when I say it never gets old. It's truly the gift that keeps giving, and I can't wait for the time we get to collectively beat this nearly dead old horse once again. Sigue trabajando y buen viaje. Beautiful. What? Do you understand the Spanish at the end? <laughs> Let's keep the work, keep up the work. Yeah, yeah. look at you. Yep. You want to hear it again? Oh. Sigue trabajando y buen viaje. Yep. You know Spanish? See, si. you don't? Oh, I mean, I know that much Spanish oh. to identify that, but yeah. I was shocked that you were able to pick that up. Uh, what a great call, Jay Martinez. Man, phenomenal. And threw in a couple zingers. I love insulted us, insulted the audience a couple times. It's perfect. And I also love though that another layer to the saga. Keep the saga going. I know the and I know the dude who is stand is standing behind all shocked too. Like or with the forward hat and the mustache. Exactly. Wait, it's funny. This is like the last supper. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this has become this image, this screenshot has become the last supper. You got Judas, you got everybody. <laughs> Have you seen that meme about the Last Supper where it's like when they walked into the restaurant that night 
They go, can we get a table for 24? And the waitress goes, or the hostess goes, there's only 12 of you. He goes, yeah, but we all want to sit on one side of the table. <laughs> That's good. That's it is really funny. funny. But this, this image too, I know all, as soon as he said the silent Bob character, knows. I'm like, oh yeah, the dude in the foreground with the beard who's yep. like walking through, yep. you know, Pizel. I don't know if Pizel's P- in Pizel, that shot. Pizel's, I think he is. I think he's, you see him turning around. Okay. I think. I mean, he, I know the face from the video, but yeah. I don't know if he's in uh, that screenshot. You, you may be right. Yeah. <laughs> but I know all these characters, all these characters have uh, become a part of my awareness, but I don't know their names. Yeah. But in my head, I've almost like developed storylines yeah. for them. Yeah. So I'm glad to know that Silent Bob works in the skate industry and that he has the same demeanor as Silent Bob. But doesn't really look like him. He does in that image. Yeah, it's perfect. It's a thick beard. Yeah. <laughs> that guy can grow a beard. Um, at any rate. Thank you, Jay Martinez. What you, so are skaters cooler than surfers? I mean, I think without a doubt in terms without of. Without a doubt, dude. Like in terms of the fact that I think uh, skate, what makes skaters properly co- cooler than surfers are, I think skaters rarely think about themselves in terms of like what they're doing in like broader ways, like precisely like this. Surfers obsess about our place in the in the world just like we do right like our place is surfers our little surf thing our what boards are riding all this kind of stuff i don't think skaters ever once do that i think they're interested in kind of skate stories right like the nine club or whatever the podcasts are they go and they kind of talk story they're not like endlessly getting into the minutia of professional skate contests and how they're judged and things like that. I'm sure they talk about judging controversies every now and again, but you know, like, and so I think skaters not thinking about themselves perpetually is what makes them cooler. I, so I thought long and hard about this yesterday. I think it all comes down to how much or little you're actually doing the activity itself. Yeah. So skaters have access to be able to do it basically every single day. You and I don't. And actually do it all the time too. Not, they're not, they're not like sitting on their boards in the, in the skate park waiting for a ramp. (laughs) Right. True. They can kick around and get tired all day. I find that when I'm actually surfing frequently and regularly, I'm satiated. Yeah. I don't have the energy to gossip with you. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I don't even care to gossip with you because it's just like I've purged all the energy out of my body and I've got bigger fish to fry. Turns out like going and doing this activity is more meaningful than gossiping about this stupid minutia, which you and I do every single week. And the longer I go without surfing, I get pent up. I become cynical. I become angry. And then somebody in surfing does something. I'm going to talk crap about that because I'm all pent up. So skaters doing the thing allows them to purge. Perpetually. Yeah. Well, I mean, and the other thing I think with us though is, is you and I could surf more maybe, but no, we are like every other surfer. We have family obligation. We have children. We're running here and there. We're working. And yes, we do both live in Southern California where we have more access in terms of weather and you know, there's always a wave. We can always go get away. Like, doesn't Scott Bass go surfing every day? Yeah. We could be that guy, right? Yeah. If we wanted to be. I don't want to be. I would like, it's not worth it enough to be that guy to go right. surf kind of mid, mid crap surf yeah. uh, every day. But all to say, we are the viewer in this way or the, the listener in this way, right? Like nobody's surfing enough. Nobody's surfing as Great. much as they want. And so everybody, that's why I would imagine why people listen too, because we're all just like, ah. Exactly. Like, which skaters aren't and don't have. Exactly. I think we nailed it. Yep. Um, one more call. And um, 
It's a crazy call. I don't know how to prep this for you. It's just wild. You're in for a wild ride. Dave and Chad, uh, this, this is Johnny from North Orange County. Um, this call is more in response to Darren, I think from Rhode Island's call last week about advertising if you're a surfer. And while I agree with your sentiments and his sentiments, um, it kind of brought up a memory of a little bit of an opposite time. Um, a few years back, I was a young rookie police officer working for a big city here in Southern California, and I received a call of um, some beachgoers who had recovered a shotgun that I washed up on the little bit of shoreline that our city um, has. So I go to the call and recover this uh, shotgun and book it and don't think anything more about it until months later, I get a call from some homicide detectives who inform me that the shotgun we had recovered had been linked to a double homicide where a man had killed uh, two people. So they needed me to go out to the scene where we recovered it and kind of walk them through what's going on. So rookie old me goes out there with my partner and meets these two homicide detectives. Um, and we needed about homicide detectives are they are slick licking swagger. They got this kind of swagger that they carry. Um, they're pretty much the best of the best of detectives um, and they know it. So a little bit intimidating for a rookie. Uh, and I'm standing there on this bluff going over this and that, um, talking to these two nervously. Uh, when I hear the sound that is ever so distinct of fiberglass or a surfboard hitting some rocks. And two of the uh, four individuals that were standing there, myself included, uh, thought little more than nothing more about that sound. Um, but one of the detectives, uh, one 30 years my senior, well suited up in a nice suit, homicide detective, like I said, said almost under his breath, skin grows back, fiberglass doesn't. Now, it was in that little moment that I knew that I was tuned in that this guy was in the same, for lack of a better term here, tribe that I came from. The gap between a rookie police officer and a 30-year homicide detective no longer existed. It was just another surfer. And it was funny because it wasn't some, oh, did you check the surf today? Oh, the waves look good. But this little tiny subtle remark tuned me in. Uh, and that erased it all. And I said, hey, sir, that sounds like something a, uh, only a surfer would say. To which he replied, oh, yeah, yeah. And we got to talking, exchanging stories about waves and places, and ultimately found out we lived in the same town. And most importantly, I found out that his daughter, who was my age, worked at uh, one of the bars that I haunted. And I uh, got several months of free drinks just from knowing her dad. Um, so just kind of wanted to bring up the story. I'm sure we all have them, of those little gems of moments where you're far in a world far unrelated to the surf world. And you just kind of get that little moment of knowing this dude or this chick has the same background as you. Um, just kind of that little nod, like you guys mentioned, of uh, from surfer to surfer. Lastly, I want to say last week you gave um, a hard nah cigar smoking, Dave. The uh, one exception you guys probably may or may not know about is that if you've ever stood next to a body, a dead body that has been decomposing in the August sun of Los Angeles for three days before someone finds it, you quickly learn that the stench that that body carries will not be washed away out of your nose for several days. Uh, it's a pretty horrific smell, and um, you won't be getting rid of it when you're trying to eat your lunch. That is, unless you have a cigar right after being around that body. Whatever it is about the cigar burns that stench right off. You're going to dry clean the uniform anyway. You might as well smell like cigar and not dead body. So just a little uh, nod to the um, dead bodies and cigars, I guess. Kind of a weird story. All right, well, keep up the work, get barrel, and uh, Utah out. Utah out. I'm going to say that's the best call we've ever had. 
Which makes me think we should give awards to the calls at the end. Man, can you imagine a year end best end? Because that's that is definitely I'll say that is the best call we've had or I uh, this year so far. Went on a wild ride. I mean, I, I mean, at whole, no point did I know where that story was going. I, I thought I knew where it was going that he married the guy's daughter, right? The bartender's daughter, but no, even found a shotgun. I'm like, wow, that's compelling. Yep. How does this tie to surfing? And then that shotgun was used to kill. Two people. Two Whoa, people. what in the world? Yep. Now there's homicide detectives on the scene. Turns out one of those guys is a surfer. I'm like, okay, so did it go surfing now? Yeah. No. Turns out he has a daughter. Daughter. Oh, you're right. Maybe Married. this is going. Yeah. No, just got some free drinks from yeah. her. Like, wait, what? <laughs> and then the most the funniest part is that you know cigars are bad when the best argument that you can give for them is that they cover up the smell of a, of dead, a body. dead body, of but, a decaying body. But doesn't it doesn't it also make you want to go smoke a cigar and just like sit outside, kind of head down, and when somebody says, excuse me, sir, uh, put your cigar out, you can say, man, the things I smelled today. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, pretty tough, tough You're move. Right. You're right. Now that you say that, it does, it feels like the people who smoke cigars have seen some stuff. Yeah. All things, of them. The things I've done today, man. Everybody who has, c- has a cigar that I've ever seen with a cigar looks like they got a story to tell. Tony Soprano. Jack Nicholson. Yep. Tom Brady. Yep. Jack Plants. Yeah, great call. <laughs> great call. Harvey Weinstein. <laughs> it's it's funny, like, there's two distinct people that smoke cigars. They're, uh, if we're talking males. Bill Clinton. Right. So if we're talking males... There's two distinct types of males that smoke cigars. Overweight, gross, talks too much, probably involved in crime. And then Tom Brady. Yeah. You know, that they're, it turns out both of them slay a lot of women. But they're either the gross Harvey Weinstein type or the eternal bachelor. Well, now we got to add a homicide detective to there. <laughs> yeah, apparently. Yep. But I have a, a feeling that guy, nobody falls in the Tom Brady yeah. class. Do you think, how often does, I bet Tom Brady for sure smokes more cigars than just after he wins stuff. I bet that every once in a while Tom Brady goes and I bet he has like a crap, like, or not crap, like some fancy cigar den in his house. That's I think like, it's a Sunday ritual. You think every Sunday yeah. he goes down, grabs the Cuban, yep, lights it up, yep, puffs away, yep, mm. pours a whiskey mm. or whatever brand of alcohol he's sponsored by. Mm-hmm. Yeah, get a little break from the wife and kids, a little ritual, wash it off, wash off the dead body. Um, I mean, seriously, how gnarly is life and work as anything other than a podcast? Yeah, yeah, it's really true. I mean, when you hear what people actually do for a living and you're just like, what? We sit in album surfboards, the most beautiful surfboard shop in San Clemente, California. I'm traumatized by just hearing the story. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> yeah. the, the fact that you do that day in and day out, that seeing dead bodies becomes normalized. Yeah. is crazy. Yeah. But I mean, we need them. Need them. Need them. Huge thanks yeah. for the work. Uh, doing the good work, actually. The real work. I also like um, got free drinks for a month. Yeah. I had the, like as he was saying that, I'm like, you know, drinks aren't free, right? There are no such thing as the free drinks. The bartender gets bigger tips when they give free drinks. Yeah. So every bartender on the planet knows that game. 
And so, of course, they're going to give free drinks as much as they can get away with. And, of course, the recipient's always going to take a free drink. I'll take a free drink. The owner of the bar hates this program. Do you think that the this was like a real cop bar, though? I want to picture this guy at the real cop bar with the detective's has to be daughter working behind yeah. the bar and like cops go in after their hard days. Yeah. Real classic, like television show slash movie scene. I love the cop bar. Me too. Yeah. I want to go to one. Well, I you understand did. the need for drinking. When you're seeing stuff like that, you need to go at the end of the day just to chill before you get home to the wife and kids. We should make a podcast bar where it's all the podcasters go in after the Cynical, day. Cynical, angry. Cause we're not surfing old podcast daughter out pouring drinks. <laughs> <laughs> um, true grit or click bait crap surfing legend Maurice Cole blasts the world surf league over performative environmental posturing at just wrapped bells beach event. Maurice said, simply put greenwashing seems to be the WSL's modus operandi. True. It All true. Great. Maurice Cole hammered them hard. Maurice Cole, a long time. I mean, Torquay is, really, I think, synonymous with Cole, right? Like when I think of him, I think of Torquay right away. And so he knows, loves, been there for a long time. And to see the, this blow-in WSL come and greenwash has to be extremely frustrating to a man like him. Yeah. Like where well. the real problem is you don't have to greenwash. Like either don't do anything. If you're just going to use it performatively, don't do anything. If you actually want to make a change, Go give money to the organizations who are doing something, right? Yeah. Or having surfers go out and plant one bush on a hill and thinking that the exchange there that's happening is we are putting you on blast. Nobody gives two craps about that in the surf world. Nobody is going to go to Torquay and plant plants or send money to that organization. So it's purely performative. World Surf League gets the credit. The environmental organization gets used it gets gets the honor of being used as a prop and that's totally annoying like the w whoever's in charge of the wsl's i mean it's probably all jesse miley but th their performative thing has to stop it's an embarrassing well, it's an embarrassment to the even the idea of doing good you know the right way to donate money anonymously sure you know what i mean and so this everything that they do is um so they started the initiative. It was WSL Pure a few years back, right? And then they got into hot water because the Perfect. things that they were doing were actually damaging, you know? And uh, envi actual environmentalists would chime in and be like, hey, you guys, that's actually not preventing, yeah. that's not helping the fisheries. Yeah. That's damaging the coastlines or whatever it was because it was performative and not well-researched and... So they got in trouble with that. And I don't know if they fully disbanded pure. I think or it's not. still around. I mean, but they have They've defunded it. Do you have that? I mean, I'm sure there's not. They, well, they they had hired people for it. And those people got, got all fired. So, I mean, it's just, um, it's just asinine though. Like, so they, they could easily come into these regions, go plant the trees and not post about it, not talk about and it. And or that region doesn't need it. your surfers planting trees. Go like. Make a contribution. Make a contribution. Or if you want that organization to come in and educate the surfers about, hey, this is about your environmental footprint, right? This is These are some things you can do. Great. But none of it has to be forward-facing. Like the idea for them is, I'm sure they think, no, we are bringing eyeballs to this organization, to this thing. That those None of those eyeballs do anything for that organization. So Maurice Cole, I had a private conversation with him five years ago where he said the WSL had him, or he was here, and then the WSL had him up to Santa Monica 
to talk about part of their pure initiative was they want to make surfboards sustainable. And so they're going to um, mandate that by a certain year on tour, the surfers were going to have to be riding, quote, sustainable surfboards. So what does this even mean? How do you sure. even define it? You know, And so they brought Maurice up to have a meeting about what does sustainability look like? He said he left that meeting. The private conversation I had with him was he left that meeting with zero confidence that they had any idea what they were doing or how they were going to execute this thing. And then they never talked about it for yeah. years until the Portugal event. I noticed these commercials that they were running that said uh, exactly that. We want to have sustainable surfboards on tour by whatever, 2026, I think it was. Go to this website to find out more. I'm like, perfect. So I go to the website, the URL that they said. There was zero information on it. It was one landing page that looked like it was written by somebody from Portugal in English. So it didn't make sense. And I actually copied, I'm sure I have a screenshot still, but yeah, I, co I, I copied and pasted it into my show notes because I just wanted to read the quote on yeah. the show to see if you could decipher what this even means. It was pure it's saying a ton without saying a single thing. It's it's really... And then it said, like, click here for more info. And I clicked it, and it was a dead link. I was just like, are you guys kidding? You're advertising this on the broadcast. It's Presumably, that costs money to run that advertising. You have to have... A, there's the call to action. You have to have follow-through for the call to action. It was complete nothingness. I mean, it is... It, it is all smoke and mirrors. It is insulting, though. It is insulting that, like... And every time they do something like this and it gets called out, never once have I seen something like, oh, the WSL came in and, and there was this equality initiative or environmental initiative or, you know, racial justice initiative. And it was awesome. It right. worked, right? right? right, 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 right. It's right. only ever misses and they should knock off the whole thing. Like just be a sports league, knock it off. Like if yeah. you, and if you actually want to do it, then do it. Like well, do it well. So this fits into a lot of other conversations we've had where I feel like the reason why the Ziffs, the billionaires, are involved in this is because they're interested in the ideology. Sure. They're interested in making change for good. They're interested, and maybe it is performative for them as well because I mean, that's what the I, way that they've made their billions maybe was damaging to the planet. I just saw it. Well, I continue. So I think that their thing, with their whole involvement with the WSL is, well, it was Natasha's involvement originally. Let's equalize women's pro surfing. So equal pay, equality, uh, environmentalism, that's what we have to be doing with this thing that we're losing money on. So we're all, as long as they're involved, we're always going to see these things. Except for, I saw a funny meme. Do you follow Jerry? I think it's Jerry Gogasian, the art critic. No. Uh, is He does you know funny art world meme. But it was like, I think it was a picture of the Kardashians on a private plane, two of them. Uh, and the meme was, you know, art world fly flying to Venice to discuss environmentalism, uh, and whatever else, but just the idea of the Ziffs, you know, flying private everywhere or, or rich people in general, flying private everywhere, blah, 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 and having real environmental opinions, right. right? Knock it off. Like either stop doing, stop flying private or knock your opinion off. Right. Like you can't, well, you can't be hypocritical. Like the greenwash thing is I'm, I'm tired of it. Well, this is uh, another news story that broke yesterday headline that you wrote the world surf league and Swedish disposable furniture giant, Ikea team up on another exciting environmentally conscious surf inspired line. 
quote, the surfing lifestyle has many important insights about being con- uh, constantly on the go, such as organizing mobility needs and handling humidity. <laughs> the handling humidity thing made me real picturing that the Swedish, uh, Swedish chef, not the Swedish chef, the Swedish copywriter sitting there thinking about, oh, this is good. It handles the humidity like work it work. But uh, so Ikea is teaming up with the World Surf League to introduce a line of furniture, which again, I'm sure that the line of furniture, it's funny. I wasn't going to touch this like I I've I had blasted Ikea or I didn't even it was I think long time. Somebody wrote a, you know, because this is the a, a second collab with the WSL. So I was thinking, OK done it, whatever, you know, who cares? Let the WSL team up with Ikea. But I, I received so many DMs and emails about the thing where I was thinking, okay, I got to write about it. I wrote entirely lazily. I just, you know, copy and pasted the uh, press release on it. Just like, Hey, this is what you want. But in truth, yes. Like if the, if they want to be environmentally conscious WSL, I'm sure that this furniture is branded as environmentally conscious furniture somehow, right? I'm sure it's made from recycled or you know, whatever decomposed this and that and the other thing. Uh, except still consumption is what's driving this world to the brink. Right. And so if you're the WSL, you can't be doing stuff like co-branded things with Ikea, with Ikea, Ikea of all things. I mean, you nailed it with the little bit in the headline team up with disposable furniture manufacturing, which is what Ikea is. And I that get, is what Ikea is. They've and, invented the category. Yep. For things that are cheap that you buy for just for college and then you leave throw it in it the dumpster. Yep. It's made out of particle board. It throw it in the dumpster. They've invented that category and they own it. They're probably the largest furniture manufacturer on the planet. And so like we talked about in the past with Outer Known, if you truly care about sustainability. It costs more money. You would not create a yeah. clothing company. Well, I mean, precisely for Outer Known. We have, yeah. we have plenty of clothing available to us. You could re-engineer how clothing is manufactured and then supply the industry can, with those re-engineered things. Totally. Which, but you wouldn't create a new clothing company. My buddy has Ola Canvas. I've talked about it on here before. You're wearing it right now. Wearing the shirt right here. It's a fantastic brand. I encourage people to check it out. But his whole thing is made in the States from like fully, like the, I don't think he's as much about sustainability, but as about made in the U.S. with the best materials that last, right? Which essentially is sustainable. Like yeah. everything you're going to buy is going to last for a long, long, long time. Made in the United States, so it's not being flown around the world right. to get here. It's not, you know, all of this kind of idea. Uh, there's ways to do that. Like, but on the outer known side of sourcing uh, or figuring out supply lines for other people to do this, exactly. right? Like Improving their processes. Yeah, like don't start your own. If you're going to be, and my buddy's not, like we're the beating the environmental drum. So right. outer known to be having that as your whole thing. We are making sustainable clothing. Yeah. Don't make clothing. I know it's crazy. Uh, by the way, the final, the follow-up on that conversation that Maurice Cole had uh, was exactly what you're saying. He said the best kind of the way that you could define sustainability for surfboards is to make an indestructible surfboard. Yes. And everybody in the room understood, well, for that limits high performance ability, like these surfers need light, Thin, thin glass. Flex, yeah, yeah, like all a certain flex pattern or whatever. And Maurice is like, well, those are two different objectives. Yeah. yeah. You know? Yeah. So if you want sustainable, it has to be thick stringers, thick glassing, board that you can have all year long throughout every contest and then have next year as well, blah, blah, blah. 
And so that's where the impasse was. That'd be kind of a cool uh, tour tweak. If they, if you were only allowed, I mean, if they want to be sustainable, if surfers were only allowed three or four boards a year. Used to be that way. I no, they weren't allowed that, but that was just what they did. Sure, but how past. sick would that be? Of like, you better really think about your quiver. Yeah. You better really think about how it's constructed. You're getting down to your last board. You're, you got a gun for trestles. I mean, it's kind of what John John does. John John for certainly for a couple of years, there rode six twos, I think. I mean, cause those guys chew through how many hundred hundreds a year, a right? hundred. Yeah. Of surfboards. The Chloe Andinos of the world notoriously have surfed, gone through a hundred boards a year. Um, okay. Let's go to commercial break. We got to get you out of here ASAP. So commercial break, barrel and up. Hiring for a small business is critical. It's imperative that you find a highly qualified professional to treat and grow your business with the same care and detail that you do. LinkedIn Jobs will be your next big unlock. LinkedIn Jobs has created the tools to find the right professionals for your team fast and for free. Everybody is already on LinkedIn with their resume and their references. So the fact that LinkedIn built a hiring platform to connect the dots between everything is simple genius. It's way more sophisticated than a job board. It's a vast network of more than a billion professionals meticulously organized to connect people by skill set, desire, ambition, all in an effort to help us advance our position. And it's easy to use and intuitive. So effective that 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Fast hiring solutions means achieving your goals in record time with rapid growth in 2024. LinkedIn Jobs will even help you write the job descriptions and give you tools and prompts to help you interview your candidate like a pro. LinkedIn.com slash surf is where you go to post your job for free. Yes, totally free. And you can let the world's largest social network of business professionals work to connect you with the ideal candidate to help you grow your business. That is LinkedIn.com slash surf to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Ah, mm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com. Chaz. Uh, of course, Athletic Greens is our sponsor every week because it's our sponsor every day in our real life. But listen to this news story. And I want you to tell me, how responsible are we for this news story? Let me hear it. Okay. AG, this is from earlier in the year. Athletic Greens, which created AG1, powder be uh, beverage designed to provide daily nutrition, has raised $115 million in new funding that boosts its pre-money valuation to $1.2 billion. The New York-based company got its start in 2010 by the CEO, founder, Chris Asherden, who uh, basically started it on a journey to find out why he always felt so bad. He said, I am a health and wellness-obsessed person, and despite knowing what I thought was a lot about nutrition and wellness, I kept getting sick. 
So we created a product to prevent that. They just raised one point, or I'm sorry, 115 million. Talking about quality here, we're having a discussion about quality. I feel that the quality of Athletic Greens, AG1, uh, you can actually feel it. And it's why I keep doing it. I would have, let's be honest and talk about Whoop for a minute. Can we just talk about Whoop? Sure. I ripped that band off the second the my obligation was done, right? It did not enhance my life. I suppose it kept me or it made me start to run and I've kept running. But I don't need my Whoop measurements for that, right? So sorry, Whoop, you're gone. Athletic Greens, ritual every single morning because I feel better doing it. And it's as, it's as simple as that. The proof is in the non-pudding. Yep. The proof is in the green powder. It's so true. That's it what really people are going to start saying. But I, I mean, I really felt a sense of responsibility when I saw that news <laughs> that we, we've helped them get to this valuation. And here's the thing too. I feel every person, every subscriber who has, or every listener who has subscribed to Athletic Greens, I say, good on you. You are not getting, I this ain't no bill of goods. No. You are. I feel great about it. You have health. And also I hear nothing. I've never heard negative yep. feedback from any of them. I defy every, a every listener to call yeah. in with negative Athletic Greens talk. Exactly. So athleticgreens.com slash surf is our portal. You support our show, you get optimal health, and you benefit in these ways that, uh, all of our other listeners are get on board with all the other listeners. It's a win-win. It really is. Okay. Athleticgreens.com slash Chaz back from commercial. Barrel or not. Ooh, this one's actually a phone call. So let me play it for you. We got all fashion-based barrel or not. Exciting. Because that's what you do best, I think. It's true. Yeah, David, I uh, got a barrel or not for you. Bucket hat. And the context of the story is I was suiting up to go surf on this beautiful Friday afternoon and a drop top beamer pulls up with a guy ripping a full vape and a bucket hat and some cool shades pulls up next to me, blasting music, feeling the vibes or whatever. And I thought to myself, man, if this guy was wearing a fedora, it'd be the same exact person. And I think a fedora is a hard nah. But I'm curious what you guys think. Uh, bucket hat in or out hate the bucket hat do you to really? be quite honest do not like it have never worn it i could see a bucket hat having like practical value for a surf filmmaker you know on the hot sand or something like that like i, I could see it as a practical item maybe once like somehow you're a filmmaker surf filmmaker on the beach Winds are blowing way too hard, so you can't have like a wide-brimmed hat because it's going to get blown off. So you got to have a bucket hat. That's the only time I'm going to say a bucket hat is appropriate. I say all other times it is a dead nah. See, I disagree. Or I think we may have landed on the same thing, kind of. I think that certain people can pull them off. Who? They're not uh, Gilligan. That's not <laughs> my, a bucket hat, though, my, is it? I'm going to say a bucket That's what I think of a bucket hat as. What are you thinking of? Gilligan. Yeah, Gilligan's. It's like the it's a full rim all the way around, but it goes down, right? Like I guess so. I guess so. I guess that's a bucket. Yep. So my six six year six month old son, he wears a bucket hat. Babies. Looks cute on him. Babies can wear bucket hats. Dion Aegeus. I've seen him wear a bucket hat. It looks cute for him. I mean, Dion I works ba for him. Dion Aegeus basically is a baby though. <laughs> that's true. I mean, when you look at a him, baby with a beard, he is a baby with a beard. <laughs> um, I so I like his example. Fedora, nah. I agree. Nobody looks good in a fedora. Fedora's never worked for a single human, but I've seen a few bucket hats where I'm like, okay, what about uh, Hunter S. Thompson? No. You don't think it worked? No. Huh. 
Okay. Yeah. I think it works for him. I mean, but he, Hunter S can pull up. I'll, okay. I'll, I will say it did work for him, but he also pulled off like a cigar or cigarette, you know, holders and stuff like that. Right. Like he was doing certain people can work it. The bucket hat, I'm saying the people that can, it's a very small percentage. Every, I'm not saying 50, 50, but this, this is the thing with barrel and all, right? Like any single item can be pulled off by one person. Not a fedora. I'll say, sure. There's a fedora. Like there's a guy out there. I mean, clearly historically, it's it worked right. All the guys in the forties and whatnot looked phenomenal in their fedoras. So there was a epoch. Now the way it doesn't work now is when it looks retro or when it looks like you're trying to be nostalgic. Uh, but I could see back to Hunter, a Hunter S Thompson type personality who mixed a fedora with all this other wacky stuff. And it was, it worked right. Yeah. Anything can work. Any one item can work. The advice we offer is should you, the listener do it and you, the listener, unless you're a baby, Baby Dion, oh, oh, you should not do it. The other funny thing about a bucket hat is like if a hat's purpose is to block the sun, yeah, it, it blocks really. such a very minimal yeah. amount of sun. The sun has to be at the exact perfect angle for, it to for that anything. to actually do any work at all. I mean, a baseball hat blocks sun. Right. From your eyes. Yeah. 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 I, I So I was thinking of other hats that kind of work for some, don't for others. Paperboy hat. I see some guys with those paperboy hats. Is that what that's called? Sure. Yeah. Pageboy? Pageboy. That might be what it is. Where it like clasps yeah. together at the front. Yeah. I see certain people in those and I go, great look for that person. Yeah. I see other people wearing that go, what a kook. Again, all items can work. But for the majority, bucket hat, no. What about a top hat? Yeah. If you're going out to a, if you're black tying and you could pull it off without being conscious about it or self-conscious, Top hat, top hat away. I'm trying to envision in the modern era, anybody who could pull off a top hat. And I can't think of one. Uh, Johnny Depp. <sighs> Johnny Depp could walk into a bar with a top hat and people would say, look at Johnny Depp. Yeah. I mean, slash, I guess. Yeah. Slash. Right. Does pull it off. Exactly. That's, <laughs> uh, hats are funny. Okay. Barrel or not pocket watch. Uh, I'm going to say nah for me, nah for you, nah for everyone, but an old grandpa. What about Johnny Depp? John, or Johnny Depp. I think Johnny Depp probably is the fashion counter to any barrel or not. <laughs> I mean, I think Slash actually, because Slash, with his top hat, he wears a vest, yeah. right? With no shirt. Yeah. I could see a pocket watch being right in that vest. Sure. The problem with a pocket watch is it's a thing in your pocket where men, I feel, your pocket space should be already maxed out with your phone and keys. If you have an extra pocket somewhere, if you have extra room to have a pocket watch and you're not in a suit, that means you got one too many pockets somewhere. Yeah. Like your space is used between wallet, back pocket, phone, front pocket, keys, front pocket, and don't put your keys with your phone. Then you're getting a weird bulgy pocket. So all to say, there's no room in the modern man's wardrobe. Back when we wore suits and with vests, there was like so many pockets, you had to start using them up. Yeah. Pocket watch made sense. Well, I, I want to love the pocket watch concept. Where are you going to, where are you going to wear your pocket watch right now? It would have to be front pocket. I mean, here's the thing. And you know, when you see that dude with that giant bulge in the front pocket, it's like, bro, Lame. Well, bro, it's calm down, doing? man. Yeah. Calm down. Uh, I'll, t I'll let it be known now. I'm planning a transition. I feel I'm old enough to full-time suit wearing. Oh yeah. We uh, kind of talked about that. This. Yeah. I will not be incorporating a pocket watch in that ensemble, but, okay. uh, you have to wear a suit well, to pull a pocket. 
That's a good point. And a vest, a suit with a vest, which is a whole other thing to add to your suit. It's getting complicated, but <laughs> we talked we talked in the past about mechanical watches yeah. and like whether it's worth spending a lot of money on a watch. And a lot of listeners advocated for it. I'm all because, for it. Yeah, because of the artistry yep. and the mechanism and all Massive that sort of thing. Massive watch barrel. Yeah, and so I was like, well, the pocket watch is an extension of that. And it's almost cooler because, um, I don't know, in the lineage of timekeeping, like watch, that probably came first, right? And so there's something cool. And I bet that, I don't know, maybe these iconic brands, uh, Rolex or Omega or whoever, probably still makes like a really cool pocket watch. For sure. But there has to be some, your fashion has to have some function to it, right? Like, yeah. and so the pocket watch in our day and age, the reason it used to be, I would imagine, is because they couldn't fit the watch components. They couldn't carve them down to right, wristwatch right, right, size, right. you know? So it was a bigger face that clearly, but once they got it down to wrist size, well, that solves all problems right there. Yeah. Okay. All right. I really wanted to like pocket watches. Yeah, sorry. Okay. Unfortunately. No barrel. All right. Final barrel or not? Suspenders. I'm going to say nah again, unless you're Slash or Johnny Depp. Okay. Uh, or in a suit. This is a real suit, except for the bucket hat. Both a pocket watch and suspenders can be pulled off with a suit. If you, uh, but also if you need suspenders in your suit, go get your pants tailored better. Like you're doing, you're wearing your dad's suit. Something's wrong to begin with. Yeah. Uh, but also in life, if you came in, if I came in with suspenders today, what would you think? Uh, what the hell are you doing? <laughs> Why didn't your wife stop you? <laughs> and I, I feel aside from Slash or Johnny Depp, that's what that's the correct response. Or I'm going to say Baby Dion could probably pull off suspenders too. A, a baby sure can pull off suspenders. Yeah, <laughs> my baby did on Easter. <laughs> yeah, he wore exactly. suspenders. Um, and so the, for Slash and Johnny Depp, they really got to consider though that their scarves might get caught up in the suspenders. I mean, it you becomes, do you do one or the other. They I think. have four scarves. I think suspender day, you leave the scarf at home. It could get caught yep. and choke them out. Yeah. You know, um, but I like the baby Dion joins Slash and Johnny Depp. They're in, in a class in the of man three. who can pull off anything. <laughs> Have you seen him uh, at court, Johnny Depp at court this week? Yeah, I saw in the one domestic abuse still, thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He is sad looking, dude. It really makes it, me sad for him. Like his star, I don't. Whatever that was with Amber Heard, it was clearly messy, right? But I'm sure they were both to blame in their messiness. I mean, Amber Heard was thinking having three ways with Elon at some point in there, right? I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. There's Amber Heard and Elon and some other girl had a three way. While he, she in, was married to. I, they might, it might've been just after, but it was in Johnny's apartment or whatever. So obviously mess, mess, mess. I'm sure both of them were drunken messes to drag it. When you're both drunken messes, how do you not say, Hey, my bad, you're bad. Let's not drag each other through with our drunken mess through the court of public opinion. Right. Like, and I'll blame Amber Heard for that. I feel that she was the first one she, who showed up with the black eye and said she was domestically abused. Right. right? And so this bad goes on her. I feel bad for Johnny Depp. Well, it, it, that does seem to be what's, uh, the public opinion is now is that she is victimizing him. Yeah. He's being abused by her. He's not, he's not a hitter. And so any, yeah, 
And she, I guess he lost a finger. The audio I heard this morning is he lost a finger in one of their domestic disputes. Yeah, she battles. claims that whatever, I can't remember that he was drunk and lost it. He claims that she threw a bottle at him and right. cut it off. Mineral so. spirits is yeah. what he said. <laughs> but the, what's sad to me is how broken down he looks. He's like, this guy was such he's a bummed. badass for so long. He's bummed. And now he's overweight, bloated, and has permanent depression. Also, lesson to listeners, uh, if you're in a drunken, messy relationship and your partner drags you, just be drug and let it go away, right? Like Johnny Depp would have got canceled for being a domestic abuser for a couple years. Maybe he would have never come back in quite the same way, but also he would have he would have kept his mystique intact. Yeah. Now that mystique is gone. Like Johnny Depp is no longer the ideal man. Unfortunately. But he's still in a class of three with Slash and Dion. And Baby D. Baby D. <laughs> Baby D-A. All right. Well, hey, great show. Album Surfboards, thanks again for hosting as always. People, I don't even know if, I mean, I don't know how they keep surfboards in stock, to be honest. I don't even know that they have any in stock. But if they have one in stock, you should hurry up and come buy it if you're San Clemente adjacent. Why would you not? You've seen how Asher surfs on them. Josh Kerr. Beautiful surfing, beautiful surfboards. Sterling Spencer. The best. Jason Momoa. Is Sterling on the team fully? I, I don't think it's fully, but he's riding them. That's epic. I know. Such epic. a good pickup. Yep. All right, and uh, athleticgreens.com slash surf. Thank you. Beachgrit.com, surfsplendorpodcast.com. We're going to be giving away an album surfboard in uh, the month of June. Sign up now as a subscriber for Five your bucks. chance at the best opportunity in, say, the world. Keep us independent so we yeah. don't have to, so that we can uh, continue talking about WSL and everything that we talk about. All right, Chaz, uh, until next week. Bon voyage. And don't forget to post your job for free at linkedin.com slash surf. That's linkedin.com slash surf to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply.